0: So, hey there, uh, welcome to Streamed and Screened, a podcast distributed by Lee Enterprises about the new movies and TV shows just over the horizon that are gonna be worth your time. The Show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades, who is now the editor of the Sioux City Journal. That would be me, Bruce Miller, uh, and Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal. Say hello, Jared. Hello, hello. and me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee. This week, we've got the big budget video game adaptation, Uncharted, and the uh, Channing Tatum co-starring, co-directed canine movie, Dog, leading the pack, as it were, uh, in theaters. And we've got a bunch of other great shows and movies uh, that are hitting streaming services that we want to highlight. It's
1: been Valentine's Day. Come on. You had to get stuck at some point with somebody saying, let's go see Marry Me. You had to have that. You know you did. And I did go to Marry Me. Yeah, so tell us about marrying Me, Bruce. Here's Jennifer Lopez, okay? She's like Jennifer Lopez. And he's singing with her fiance, who is Sebastian, or Bastian, as she likes to call him. And they're, they've planned that this is gonna be like a really viral event. They are gonna get married on the stage of his concert, right? So it's all about the hits. It's all about the hits, that's all it is. So she gets up there and just before she gets on stage to sing the big song, Marry Me, somebody shows her TMZ on their phone. And her bastion has been a bastard about cheating on her. And she decides that she's not gonna marry him. Instead, she's gonna go with her whim and pick somebody out of the audience and marry them. Now, isn't this the
0: typical Hollywood story? It's so relatable. You know, I just, I mean, this is like a a low budget indie as far as I'm concerned.
1: How many concerts have I been to when there's some mm, less than adorable person in the front row who has a sign that says, marry me? How many times have you seen that? Really? So here they're leaning into that. Somebody did see that there was that sign, I guess.
0: Cinema's all about holding a mirror up to society, you know, and
1: that's exactly
0: (laughs) it. So it happened.
1: Now the film is really hokey in all those respects, but it gets one thing really, really right, and that's the way the social media has changed the conversation for all of this stuff. Everything that Jennifer Lopez's character does has to be in front of a camera. She's they'll do something. She's oh well, that's going to be for my my video show. Oh, that's going to be for this. So she's constantly doing something. Everything is a plug for something, product endorsements. Everything, and you see that that really is what that life is all about. You don't, I haven't seen that before in any other kind of movie. So that is really right on. But then she picks Owen Wilson as the man that she's going to be married to in a minute. Come on. If you had a lineup of Wilson brothers, you wouldn't pick Owen. So it's kind of, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot here that has to be. Siphoned out. I really wish that Jennifer Lopez had had uh, taken that story of the overselling of an artist and how much that dominates what they do. It's not how they pick their songs. It's what sells. What am I going to get money? What am I going to get hits out of? And there is just that little glimmer of that in that movie. And that alone, I thought was fun to see. She also has a pretty decent soundtrack to this one. It's not as bad as you think. So. It's half there as a movie, but the romance part, they even stole a scene from Pretty Woman. So come on. Would you recommend this? It's a two and a half star movie that's teetering on the edge
0: of saying, yes, it's a good movie. The social media uh, contrived relationship stuff is maybe a a perfect transition into uh, a pick that I know Jared is excited about. And that is the, the first of a Kanye West documentary trilogy that's starting on Netflix uh, this Friday and is going to be continuing uh, for the two weeks following that. So you want to talk about genius?
2: It could not be worse timing for this to be coming out. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that's the, the, the top line uh, at this point, considering everything that's going on with uh, Kanye, which I would not think, necessarily helps sell a documentary about him like hey want to watch a documentary about a guy who's going through a very horrifying uh public split right now <laughs> but this from what I understand tracks like about two like or 20 years worth of stuff so it's not just gonna be like the more recent like incredibly erratic even by his standards uh you know public behavior and stuff like that it's gonna be, Um, You know, some of his earlier career in like music, there's going to be a lot about his mom uh, dying, which obviously has influenced a lot of his art since that happened. Um, Most specifically, the uh, album uh, 808's Heartbreak back in uh, 2008, that was very much dealing with the death of his mom, which happened like only a year before that, at that point. And then the more erratic part of the uh, documentary series is definitely going to be the stuff that revolves around him running for president uh, in quotes, uh, put as big a quotes as possible around that uh, in 2020, which was obviously about the biggest stunt uh, possible and was happening while he clearly was not in a, uh, in a good place at all. So I am, or have been in the past a really big uh, Kanye fan and this documentary would have piqued my interest a lot more in years past, but like given the past couple of years in particular with him, my appetite for something like this just isn't the same. And again, like the timing for this just couldn't be worse, I don't think. (laughs) I've thought of him for the past few years and it really is only the
0: past few years that I think like the cracks really started to open up. I mean, the cracks were always there with him as as an artist and as a public persona. Um, But uh, yeah, with him just being impossibly destabilized. Um, But he's just uniquely frustrating as an artist as a as a persona as you know all this stuff uh and yeah watching watching this incredibly weird public meltdown uh with friendships dissolving over <laughs> of all things davidson i'm i'm just uh i don't know i'm I've always been, you know, like the song, uh, I miss the Old Kanye, Straight from the Go Kanye. Like that's always been like my vibe on that. And everything, you know, from like Life of Pablo before is like, that's kind of like a demarcating line in, in my mind. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what they got because they had a lot of access to him over the years before he even was really identified as this immense talent that would be Kanye West. I think it's time to cut Kanye. We're done with him, isn't it?
1: <laughs> you know, there's enough out there that we don't need to go through his angst as well as ours. And I, if we've learned anything from the last few years, enough, enough is enough. And I truly, I I, I don't care what he's morphing into anymore because it's just, it's just more grist for the mill that just keeps getting churned and churned and churned. And when he becomes a new character, he's upset because his wife is dating somebody.
0: Do I care? I do not care. That's another one of the elements of him, though, where it's almost this like beyond cancelable level of of fame where anything that he does still has to be covered from a newsworthiness question mark standpoint, but also just a you know, it's it generates interest and. He's playing it like a fiddle, but it also seems like, I don't know how intentional a lot of that is. He and the Kardashians are a pyramid scheme. The people at the top get
1: all the money and the attention and the people on the bottom get nothing. And we have bought into this far too long. And I think it's just be gone. Unless you're doing something that's gonna help the greater good, I don't care. And you know, Pete Davidson, let him date Kim. I thought you got divorced. Isn't that the case?
2: A problem with uh, all of this too, not to be a little bit cynical about it, is that like the like art and stuff that he's creating now too just is not as good as it used to be, like from a lot of people's perspective. And so there's even less to like fall back on and, and justify when like the thing they're supposedly known for isn't working either. And so then you can't even say, well, at least we're getting good music out of him. You know, there's all this other awful behavior, but at least he's still. great artist that like crutch really isn't there either so and that's a genius spelled uh, j-e-e-n-y-u-h-s and it's on netflix like we said
0: the first two-thirds of it are going to be pretty pertinent to my interests and i'm really intrigued to see the the video that they would have captured yeah so i'm going to throw out in in theaters a movie that I did not expect to be excited about, but has genuinely piqued my interest. And that is a movie called Dog, which is uh, it's co-directed by Channing Tatum and, uh, and Reed Carolyn. Reed Carolyn is uh, credited as the, the writer for all of the Magic Mike movies. Dog follows uh, Channing Tatum's character as he he has to... Uh, transport a, a canine, a, a military canine, to the the funeral of the dog's owner, and the dog is as traumatized as you know. The military industrial complex uh, tends to leave a lot of people in general, and so it's kind of dealing with that. But I mean, Channing Tatum, I'll watch anything Chan- Channing Tatum's in. I, I just like full, like full stop. I, I really will. He's just great even in something like this which does not at all seem like it's got points going for it uh in the you know the touchy-feely animal movie is not my cup of tea generally and uh military stuff is not really you know my my vibe as a knee-jerk i think but i'm i'm on board so there you go is dennis quaid in this no no it does seem like a Dennis Quaid movie, but uh, yeah, Channing Tatum and, uh, and I mean, Kevin Nash is in it, who was also in the the Magic Mike movies.
1: He will be doing a double feature with Pig, so you can see Dog in one screen and Pig in the other.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then you can uh, catch up on Lamb, in case you haven't seen that one either. And Lamb. Yeah. That's right.
0: Bruce, the show that I actually really want to ask you about that I didn't, I hadn't heard anything about the show until earlier this week, and it's a show called Severance, which is coming out on Apple TV Plus. It's set
1: in a one of those high corporate worlds where they kind of feel like they own you, where they, they want to control everything you do and say and whatever. And they're able to separate the home time thoughts from the business time thoughts, and so that you dominate everything. That it's just... The work is what matters most. So you're kind of giving up this part of life. Adam Scott, remember him from Parks and Rec? He's the guy that they kind of call in. Um, Patricia Arquette plays kind of the evil HR-ish kind of person who says, I will need your phone. I will need, you know, she's just very matter of fact. And it's scary in a lot of ways because it seems like that's what we're all headed to. But it also is kind of telling because you realize that, hey, I don't want that. So it's a, it's a fascinating look at the world of corporate control and how it plays out. It's to its extremes.
0: I I enjoyed it. I liked it. It's directed and I think produced by uh, the, the production company as well uh, that Ben Stiller does, right? Ben Stiller. And yeah, and he's used a lot of the people that he did with that. Remember he did that- t- Escape from Zanamara.
1: Yes. He's using a lot of people from that, among them uh, Patricia Arquette. He liked working with her and he said it's kind of fun to do and- and this gives him a chance to dabble in some of those things that he tried before, but it didn't really work. If you remember um, Walter Mitty, I think that was a big flop and that's very in the same wheelhouse, but I think he learned a lot of lessons here. So it's a good, uh, yeah, I do see it, you'll like it.
0: Jared, I know there's, there's at least one other movie that you were excited to talk about, another, another Netflix deal
2: to quote uh, an older uh, film in this franchise, uh, The Saw is Family. Uh, There's a new uh, (laughs) Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that's coming out that um, is basically a direct sequel to the original one from uh, 1974 that uh, Toby Hooper did, which for my money is still probably the greatest horror film ever made. Either that, Halloween, or The Shining are my three picks. Um, And it's a direct sequel to the original set close to 50 years later, again in uh, in Texas. And this time around, uh, Leatherface, the, the main uh, guy who does all the carving people up with the chainsaw, basically is going after like TikTok era type uh, teenagers and stuff, which will be a really uh, weird dynamic to watch play out. The trailer didn't necessarily inspire the most faith uh, in me. Although some of the people that are working on it are also responsible for Don't Breathe, which actually was a really, really good uh, horror film. The second one was pretty shaky, but um, yeah, I don't know how to feel about this one because Texas Chainsaw Massacre has had one of the more like mixed histories since the original because Toby Hooper only did like the first two. There've been several prequels since the 2000s and sequels and starts over and everything again. So I'm definitely going to watch it because I'm just interested to see and what they do with it. But I'm not sure how good this one's going to be. <laughs> Something I'll say too is like I, I've talked about it on here before. I love uh, the 2018 uh, Halloween a lot. But I do now worry that it has like unleashed a very unfortunate trend of like now we're just going to make uh, horror sequels that uh, ignore all the other movies and are just sequels to the original and are. About trauma somehow, which I really don't understand with this movie, because it brings back the main character from the original cast by a different with a different actress this time because the original actress passed away, which makes even less sense here because they're not from Texas. So why the hell do you want to go back to Texas to relive this maniac in a chainsaw trying to murder you?
0: <laughs> I mean, at the very least, it's it's on Netflix. You know, it's yeah. something where the the barrier to entry is very low. So it's not like anyone can, if they're bummed out about it, they can complain. <laughs> I mean, not like that's ever stopped any, any horror movie nerds uh, <laughs> from,
1: from complaining. But what is the, is this just a money grab? We're just doing it because we can?
2: I don't know entirely what the reasoning for this one was beyond the fact that Lionsgate had the rights to it for a while and then lost it because they took so long to make one, and then Legendary picked it up. So it's trying not to be cynical, but at least a part of it seems like, you know, a new company got a hold of the rights and like, yeah, we may as well do something with this.
1: Unless there's some vision that needs to be seen, I don't see a reason. I really wish the theaters would regularly schedule old films to come into the theater setting so you can enjoy them in that respect.
0: I would rather see the
1: original than a remake.
0: And it does seem like that's something that is happening more often because I actually I saw it last year in a theater here uh, on campus at UW-Madison. There's like a brand new like 4K transfer from the original print of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the original film that is out there and it looks gorgeous. Well, I mean, I feel like gorgeous is, is the, wrong, <laughs> the wrong word. <laughs> it's bloody good. There we go. Perfect.
2: No restoration will actually make that movie look good because that movie was made to look as like nauseating as possible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. to kind of tear totter back uh, away from that into something that is uh, as unnauseating as possible. Uh, the big movie this weekend, I guess we we say for last, uh, is a movie called Uncharted, based on one of the the greatest selling video games of all time. This stars Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg as treasure hunting, kind of backstabbing guys doing uh, treasure hunting, backstabbing kind of things, chasing after billions with a B, uh, dollars worth of of gold coins uh, and, and other odds and ends. Uh, not just coins i guess uh it's directed by ruben fleischer who did uh, the Zombieland land movies and also the first venom movie i was credited as director for that this is a movie that has been bounced around in development for a very long time either of you guys got got feelings on on uncharted
1: hmm. mark Wahlberg is always better when he's with somebody so that's a good sign i think again it's it's trying to revamp one of those concepts, which is the adventurer thing before we actually get to Indiana Jones at some point. And, uh, you know, they're looking for a franchise. I still wish he would do more of Ted. I love Ted. (laughs) (laughs) And that was one of his best scene partners. Tom Holland maybe is kind of Ted-like. Maybe that's the deal. And uh, it could work. It could work.
2: Bruce, to your point about uh, like adventure movies and everything, Tom Holland was already in an adventure movie like four or five years ago that also had Robert Pattinson in it. That was The Lost City of Z and that didn't do very well. So it maybe feels a little bit like the adventure drama is very much a a subgenre of the past that doesn't have a lot of life left in it. I will say
0: Uncharted is... Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have the uphill battle. I think that Lost City of Z has when it comes to clarifying what it is. That's true. Uh, James Gray directed uh, Lost City of Z, which wanted to be like an art house film, but also wanted to be a bigger budget type thing. But wanted to sell a few tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's well over two hours. You know, almost two and a half hours long. Um, so it's going to ask a lot more. Whereas I think Uncharted comes in at just under two. So, Bruce, it's going to qualify for for your uh, best picture uh, based on that one criteria. <laughs> definitely, definitely.
2: It does seem like it's now only a matter of time before there is eventually a movie based off of a video game that is like uniformly well praised. Because, like, video games for the longest time had pretty threadbare like plots and stories and stuff like that, but now like the amount of money that gets pumped into these games for like the PlayStation or the Xbox is astronomical. And so they actually do care more about storytelling and like plotting and narrative in these games now. So it does make me think that that would lend itself a little bit better to there eventually being a, like a movie based off of a game that's actually good, but still hasn't happened quite yet. (laughs) Maybe the Chris Pratt uh, Mario will finally be the, the one that's the universally praised movie based on a video game.
0: I got two words for you guys, all right? Detective Pikachu, all right? So that's all I'm going to say is that was it the best movie I saw that year? No. Was it better than it had any right to be? Yes. <laughs> is that faint praise? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, You've seen Mrs. Maisel, Bruce?
1: I have. I've seen two episodes of Mrs. Maisel. Um, It kind of, because it's been so long, it's been, what, two years, three years almost since we saw the last episode. If you may remember, at the end of that, she had kind of burned a bridge. She was supposed to be with Shy Jackson on this world tour. And then she made a kind of off comment about him on stage that made his people very nervous And they decided that she wasn't gonna be on the tour anymore. So instead of when we pick up, she's back in New York trying to figure out how is she gonna reboot her career? And she realizes that she needs to be more authentic to use a real 2022 word. She she shouldn't just be making little funny jokes about her husband or whatever. She wants to lean into the, the comedy that she was taught by Lenny Bruce. So there's, it's, it's interesting from that perspective, how she's trying to regroup. And then you've got all this other stuff that's swirling about because Susie, her manager has big money problems and she's got to figure out how she's going to get money and where she needs to go. Dad is no longer working um, in the world that he used to be in. So he's trying to figure out what's happening. And her ex-husband has this business that, could be on another side of Shady. And so there's a lot of stuff that's, that's rolling about there, but immediately you get back into the world. It's, it's pretty quick when, you, when they start telling you the stories. And there is a scene in one of those episodes where everybody goes to Coney Island and they're on the Wonder Wheel, the big Ferris wheel. And how they shot this, it had to be a fortune how they, they pulled it off because it is a gorgeous shot and you get people talking in, in those cars or whatever you call them on the, on the Ferris wheel, talking behind them, and how they pull it all together, is it's, it's marvelous. So yeah, it's, you're ready for it. But I think they've got to quit doing this waiting too long stuff because there are a series that I just forget. If they don't come out soon enough, you might as well just cut it. And this whole Ozark splitting into two, I don't like that either. I wanted to finish that one off. So, Mrs. Mazel, it's time. Let's get to work. As soon as we get done with these, let's start the next bunch.
2: It is kind of funny to me that, like, you know, Amazon is pumping all this money into like the Lord of the Rings series and some of this other stuff, you know, that's as big and as ambitious as possible. And like one of the shows that seemed to be like one of the biggest hits for them, at least critically, is a pretty low stakes show by comparison. I mean, it's about like a, female comedian in the fifties into the early sixties, like that's low stakes compared to like fighting good and evil uh, in Lord of the Rings land. Um, So it's kind of funny that that's what uh, Amazon keeps chasing when this is what's doing well for them.
1: I would assume that you guys are Lord of the Rings fans. Am I, is that correct?
0: The original films were fantastic. Uh, I think the, the Hobbit trilogy was a colossal misstep uh mainly just because it got bloated out it could have been a really great you know 3 hour film um as opposed to 6 hour <laughs> you know like spread out um and this the new series i am cautiously optimistic i have not seen the trailer which i know ran during the super bowl um but yeah cautiously optimistic i think is a a fine way uh, to describe where I'm at. How about you, Jared?
2: I don't know if it's one I'll necessarily get around to or not. Cause I did watch the original three movies. Like when they came out, I saw all three of them in theaters. Liked the, I'm a big fan of the book, the Hobbit never got around to seeing the, uh, the movies. And I just tend to not be the biggest fantasy fan. Like I didn't watch much of uh game of Thrones and like some of these other shows that have popped up since like uh, wheel of time or whatever it is, which I think is also on uh, Amazon, just something about that particular genre has never been my cup of tea.
1: I don't think you need to remake it this soon. There's not a reason. It's not like technology has improved so we can do more. It isn't like suddenly we found some missing pages that were thrown on the floor. You know, it's, is again, it's just looking for a way to make money with a known property that you can put a lot of unknown people in. I'm more interested in the prequel to um, Game of Thrones than I would be of this, because at least that is trying to do something different. And you know, why can't they spin off? Can't they show one of those little hobbits in some other town or whatever? Try something new, but don't redo the whole thing. It's like Dune. Dune will be a series after they get this second movie made. And then we'll say, oh, yeah, they had to do the series. Let's do a Dune series. Of course we need that. And I think we're seeing a, a ruination of Star Wars because they're trying too much, too much too soon. And when you hear about all the things that are coming out with that, you go, yeah, okay, I think I'm good.
2: And it's not the, the best sign of like the strength of a show to speak to the Star Wars stuff. Like when, they, uh, when you have to have a crossover with another show in the first season of your show, which is what they did with the Boba Fett show, that doesn't, sp- that doesn't speak highly of how you actually feel about the strength of the, the project you're working on when you need to tie in something else that quickly.
1: The joy of Star Wars originally was that you could enjoy it just on the surface. You could be like me, where you just see things, you don't have to look in the background to find somebody else. And then if you were a hardcore fan, you'd go and see it two or three times and you'd pick out Boba Fett, right? And you'd say, that's kind of a cool, oh, look at that character, look at, he's involved in this. And that gives you that little, but then when they start deciding they wanna make a whole series about it, man, don't be so quick. There was a reason why that character wasn't a big character in the first film in the first place. So it's just, it's like hamburger helper. They're adding it in
0: just to extend it a little bit. I don't know. It's like, you know, if you go into a room and, you know, like at a, at a bar or whatever, and, and you see someone who is clearly very, very mysterious looking, you know, someone who looks like, like they got stories, you know, and then you, you wander over and you go, hi, I'm Chris. What's your name? And they go, hi, my name's Charlie or something. Like, and it's just like, I... I liked you way better when, when I didn't know what was going on, when you were this mysterious person. Yeah. Sorry to anyone named Charlie.
1: You are wrong on so many levels, but we're not going to go there because that'll be canceling you. And I can't cancel Chris. (laughs) We'll leave that for Kanye.
0: Right. Right. And now I guess we've, yeah we've come back all all the way around. I feel like like we're still leaving a lot of stuff on the table. Well, can I just throw out a quick one? Of course. Yes, please.
1: We need to discuss this because it, it's fascinating to me, the three hosts of the Oscars. I find that very curious that they picked those people because really what is, their ties are tenuous at best to the movie industry, except for Gina Hall. I think she has you know, better ties than the other two, but come on, Amy Schumer's movies were ones that were just built around her. So is that really something? And Wanda Sykes is in my mind, better known as TV. And I don't, if I were going to pick three women, I thought they would have picked Maya Rudolph, Tina Fey, and Amy Poehler. That would have been, you know, we've seen it work. It works. With this, I don't know what these three have in common.
0: I'm right there with you. It's a little bit of a head scratcher. I mean, the, I mean, the one thing I will say is that I mean Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes both have uh, and I, I can't speak to Regina Hall as a, as a comedian, um, but You know, Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes both have great taste in jokes, I guess. I mean, maybe that's going a little bit far given some of Amy Schumer's early stuff, but you know what I mean.
2: It does feel a little bit, too, like these decisions are getting made like at the last minute almost, like with who they're having hosts, especially in the last couple of years, you know, when they had the hostless one and then, you know, they had to find a replacement for for Kevin Hart. And then, you know, this announcement like happens with, what, a little bit a month before the, the telecast is going to be? It, it, like- well, they,
1: had, they had a call out over the weekend, apparently, that they asked uh, John Hamm if he wanted to be one of them. And he said no. Now, this is, of course, from what you can read. And you would have thought, well, how would that have worked? Where would he have fit in? Or were they thinking him and two other people? And then if he said no... Did they then go in another direction and pick these other ones? I mean, it's it's fascinating, but I don't know that they're bringing in a younger audience with these three. I don't know if they're appealing to a certain crowd because they've got these people. Are they assuming it's going to be a more entertaining show? Look at last year's big snooze fest where that was just waiting for the train to come in at, at Union Station.
2: To that point, uh, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall are, all really funny but those aren't names that are going to bring casual people in I don't think so
1: yeah I I love Wanda Sykes of the three she's my favorite and I could see her doing the opening monologue where she would kind of take out against Hollywood and say what's this all about you know and I think she will if they do it that way and not have this kind of whatever it is triumvirate That stands together, and they all say the same things, or they try. And I liked when Amy Schumer did a spoof of Hamilton when she had her old show. I thought that was very clever. So if they have her do skitty kind of things, would be all right. I don't know if Regina brings the class to this, and she gets to do the the big four awards at the end. I don't know, but it's kind of fascinating. I was trying to figure it out when they were talking about um, Martin Short. And Steve Martin and Selena Gomez. And I could see that where you'd have Martin Short will do like short subjects, documentaries, that kind of stuff, because he can make that funny. And then you would have the music stuff would be Selena Gomez. And then you would have Steve do the kind of the big things because he is considered a movie star, if you will of the three. So I could, I could parse that one pretty well. And then I thought about the three Spider-Man, because that was another one that they talked about, where would we put each of these ones? And I could see Tom Holland being the short subject person. He would do that kind of animation, that kind of stuff. And then you would have Andrew Garfield be the kind of the heavy actor kind of type one, because he's up this year. And then you would have um, Toby Maguire do the middle stuff.
2: Yeah, it uh, I mean, the last time around that they had uh, multiple hosts, obviously that didn't work out so well because that was James Franco and Anne Hathaway, which is one of the most unmitigated disasters in terms of hosting. Um, If you can some uh, if you can find a place that will uh, take a bet on whether uh, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall will reenact the uh, the three witches from uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. You should definitely bet on that because that feels like a good chance of that happening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, look for threes. That's your, your magic's insight to the, the Oscars this year. Yes. <laughs> As with Lord of the Rings, I am cautiously optimistic. Well, and they also are trying to get people to vote on their favorite movie or their favorite scene. That. That's crap. That's, this is not <laughs> what meant for. It should not be done like that. And I'm sorry. It's, if you're a movie fan and you want to watch that stuff, it is. Watch it but you don't need to try and pander to people who aren't watching the show in the first place. They're not going to watch. If you gave out a million dollars at some time, you know, and why don't we just have the biggest movie fan and we'll all just pitch in there and we'll all get a chance to run out and get in a limousine or something. It's stupid.
2: All of that said uh, pig fans, this is your time. Flood the ballot box with your online votes of the movie pig.
0: (laughs) Right. Let's get that hashtag best picture trending, all right? Yes,
2: make it happen.
0: Well, and
1: you know what's gonna win. I can even tell you right
0: now. I mean, yeah, 110%.
1: Because Spider-Man did not get that love that they thought it should have gotten to draw in that crowd. Oh, we need that Spider-Man crowd. They're gonna jimmy the vote so it turns out that way. It's not unlike an Olympic event.
0: It's either going to be Spider-Man or there's going to be some, you know, Bodie McBoatface type thing with uh, the Snyder cut is going to get, you know, get, get dropped in there. Um, So, yeah, regardless, it's, it's stupid. And, and I'm, the fact that they are kind of wandering back into this seems like a real unforced error, especially because it's being done in such a uh, a half-baked way where it's, it's not even like, like a test, you know, balloon to see where it goes. It's just like, why why even do this? Why even, what's the upside here? I I don't know.
1: What you do is you diminish the standards of those who do win. Yeah. It's, It's like, again, I'm using my figure skating analogy. If you're saying that we don't do doping and then you let a figure skater in who was found to have been in possession of some bad substance, and you let that figure skater skate, haven't you just ruined the rules for the rest of them? And it's the same way with this. If we're going to have a populist Oscars, which is called the People's Choice Awards, then what's the point? Anybody can win an Oscar then. And I sometimes like the idea that we have films that were ignored so that we can
0: talk about them years later. Just like, um, you know, we could maybe be talking about uh, Black Hat the, the Michael Mann movie, which is coming out on Netflix. <laughs> How's that for a transition? Um, yeah, the Michael Mann movie uh, from about 10 years ago, I guess, uh, that is coming 15. out on Netflix. Yeah. A, um, uh, a,
2: a film I watched uh, with my dad. And at one point during the movie, he asked me if I knew what was going on. And I told him no. And he said he also did not know what was going on.
0: <laughs> but did you turn the movie off? No, no. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is the um yeah, I this is one that I'm I've predicted in uh, in threads with you guys that it's going to show up in Netflix's top 10 pretty quick, I think.
2: It is actually a very Netflix original type action movie.
1: Yeah, but don't you hate it when Netflix says because you liked this film, you're going to like this one not necessarily?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm still skeptical of their algorithm a lot of the time. They're profiling
1: in ways that I don't appreciate, right? <laughs> and when it comes to my movies, do not try and get a beat
0: on what I'm watching. Sometimes I have to watch. I, it isn't choice. I was going to say, the issues that, that come up with that is, you know, if I watch something uh, to prep for, for this podcast, that totally throws the, the algorithm out of whack. There is a, a movie on Netflix came out in 2018 called The Night Comes For Us. Uh, this like Indonesian uh, martial arts movie that is fantastic. And it, it's not a sequel or anything, but there's a movie that's coming out this weekend called Fistful of Vengeance, which uh, stars the, uh, the same person uh, in that. And that is uh, Iko Uwe, the main guy from The Raid and The Raid 2. And uh, Fistful of Vengeance is gonna be more of that which is uh, fine by me, big, big stunts and fighting and cleavers going into people's heads. That's, yeah, I'm right there for it. So fistful of vengeance. And then if you, if you like that, go back and watch the night comes for us in 2018. Also starring uh, the same dude and um, let that twist your, your Netflix algorithm in, in a good way. What else have we got? What are we leaving on the table? Anything? Space Force has a new season coming out, which I I don't know who asked for that, but there you go.
1: It was the Orville? So if you're looking for that, the Orville is coming out again. Oh, the Orville's coming out again? Goodness. Too many shows, too many shows. Too many shows, too little time. Any parting, parting shots here? Well, that's a, that's a no. That's a We leave nothing, There's, there's nothing left
0: on turn.
2: Uh, this is a very flimmy episode. A lot of throat clearing today. Yes,
0: yeah, uh, definitely bounced <laughs> all over. But it was a is a big, big week of, of stuff that's coming out. Um, but yeah, uh, Jared, I don't know if you wanna you wanna take us out.
2: Yeah, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get cute or uh, clever on uh, on this one uh, either. I'm gonna just go ahead and uh, tell you to go to your local cinema uh, to see something good there to screen something good or uh pop down on your favorite couch or bean bag or maybe a waterbed. if you've seen uh pizza and uh stream something good from uh home those are your options so we're gonna be back next week with uh with more
0: movies and tv shows uh that are worth catching uh maybe maybe we'll have an interview for you you can check the show notes to where you can stream the stuff that we talked about find ways to talk to us on the internet find older episodes subscribe to the show review the show talk it up
2: smash that subscribe button
0: smash that subscribe button push your thumb directly through your phone uh the show is produced by myself bruce and jared i'm the one who records and edits it we hope you enjoyed the show and are taking very good care of yourself out there as always see
2: something good